The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Well, the problem is that I went to buy my test books. Right. And once I bought one wrong because the professor had given us the wrong code. And I went to I went to the to the bookstore and I go, listen, I bought this one wrong. It was only a couple of days ago. It was like seven days ago. And they had a return policy of like three days. So I meet the return policy by like a day or two. And they go, yeah, we got to buy it back, but we'll only pay you 40% of the value of the book. And the book's brand new. And it wasn't even your fault. No, I'm like, the book's brand new. Are you, what are you, mine? Are you insane? You didn't even open it, right? No, the book is not (laughs) even open. Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, so I asked the guy, so what if another kid comes in right after I sell it to you at 40% of his value? How much is that kid going to have to pay for it? He goes, 100% 100% of the value. They and would I go, sell it for full value. Yeah. Oh. And I go, isn't that a, you're ripping me off. You're ripping people off. How is that fair? Right. It's and wholesale goes, to retail. You're selling yeah. it wholesale. They're, they're <laughs> selling it retail. That's why. So, so he goes, <laughs> Listen, kid, I'm just unemployed. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, this is Edward Rodriguez, CEO and founder of BPN Capital Group. And we are bringing opportunities for family offices, accredited investors, and small funds to be able to participate in large deals that uh, can give them the advantage in the investment world. 
All right. So welcome to another episode of the podcast. If you're listening on your favorite directory, be sure and leave us, if you can, a five-star review. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit that like button uh, so you can keep supporting us and we can keep bringing interesting and, and cool conversations like the one we're going to have today. So Ed, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I know it took us a while. We had to reschedule. You were busy. I, were, I was busy. And I don't know if that's a background, but are you in Miami right now? I'm in Miami. I'm okay, in Miami. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, yes, cool. But that's not your office view, right? This is not the office view. This is a <laughs> property that we did a deal on, and I'm in oh. love with the view of this property. Nice. And it is nice. I, I took one of the pictures of it, and it's now my nice. background. Nice, nice, nice. Is it hot down in Miami right now? It's getting a little cool in Jersey, but it is. Um, it's hot out of here. It's always right? hot. I know. Florida's always, <laughs> always freaking hot. All right. We can, right. we can say whatever we want, but it's exactly. always hot. It's always right? hot because it's human. Okay. So I told you, I want to go back to, because I know, you know, growing up and your whole story, you were giving me your entrepreneurial story when we first spoke, right? Yep. Maybe we can go back there and start when you were younger and how you got into it. And then we'll talk about VPN when, when we get uh, further down the road. Got it. So my... Days as an entrepreneur and started very young. Uh, my first business was when I was uh, 10 to 11. Okay. And uh, I failed. In the United States or? No, in the, in the Dominican Republic. My okay. first business was a hot dog stand. Okay. And uh, at the beginning, I faced a lot of failure, you see. And, and it kind of exposed me to, to wanting to get better at it, right? So... Uh, then I saw that through debt, I could actually advance uh, the opportunities and and be able to. Well, to when grow. when you're 11 or 12, though, I mean, aren't people just supporting you? They're like, "Well, he's a little kid. Oh no, no, buy his no, hot no dogs. Not, not not really. This this no? is. I mean, understand my. I come from a family where there's three professions that kind of stand out. It's okay. either uh, you are a lawyer. Okay. You are uh, either in the police or law enforcement. Okay. Or you are an entrepreneur in the sense of we they have supermarkets, mini markets, right? Like uh, and, shops and stuff. Shops, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 that's the background from my my mother's side. Okay. And I had the brilliant idea when I was twelve. One of the mini markets was right in front of a school, right? Okay. Now from Monday to Friday, I had great customers. All the students, when they came out of school, guess what? I was hungry, which is how I came up with the idea. <laughs> Every time I got out of school, I was crazy hungry. So yeah. it's like, well, if I'm hungry, I bet other kids are. Yeah. So I set up a, a, a hot dog stand right in front of the school. Okay. And pretty much I had a lot of kids coming in and out. Monday you were to right. Friday. They were starving too. Correct, because yeah. we were all starving, right? <laughs> uh, so I could get a discount from the mini market on the bread and the right because uh, you knew the owner. It's, it was my mom. It was my mom. You know? <laughs> right. Okay. So she my gave mom me a owned the shop. Yeah. Right. 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 So, of so, course. So pretty much, I was getting the stuff wholesale. Right. And uh, then when I started wanting to replicate, I remember the first. It's the second time I asked my grandfather for a loan. Oh, so, so you were going to open other hot dog stands? Yes. I wanted okay. to to spend, right? I wanted yeah. to, because my family had a lot of mini markets. Oh, so, so you like, were, you're like, I can be in front of every mini market they had. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I'm like, <laughs> if I'm killing it here, yeah, I should be killing it in all those other places, right? right. So I go for, to my grandfather a second time. The first time I, I, I got a loan from him, I paid him back. 
Okay. Uh, and I made it, I fell a lot. And, and that's why I wanted to say that I, I want people to understand that failing was what pushed me through. At the okay. beginning for me to open the hot dogs thing, I asked my mom and she's like, why are you doing Like, right. you work at the mini market and we pay you. Like, yeah. you're not, you're you not content. Yeah, yeah, you have a job. You're not content with what we're right. paying you. You're only 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I go, yeah, but I believe that this could be a good thing. You know, I can make extra money and and I want to do my own thing. Right. So my mom said no to the loan. Then I, I went to a couple of my mother's siblings. They also said no. And then my last resource was my grandpa. Okay. So I took all of the rejection that they gave me. And had an answer to all of it when I went to grandpa, right? Okay, right. Because you, you ask enough people, you learn and you figure out what they need to hear and so you can get correct. a deal. Oh, correct. Right. So when I go to grandpa- Your first venture even, capitalists. Yeah. Correct. So before <laughs> I even started the conversation, yeah, uh, he, he asked me, are you coming to ask me about this loan you've been <laughs> talking to? Right, the whole family. He knows about it. <laughs> he's, heard, he's heard the like, story. Like, why are you coming to me last? I'm your last resort. Right. So I go, well, listen, Grandpa, this is the thing. I give you my word that if, if the business is the business fails, I'll work to repay you. Like I work, my grandpa had a distribution center. Okay. It was one of the biggest in, in the whole family. Okay. And I told him, I'll pay you work, whatever it takes. If you tell me it's going to be three months, every time I go to school, I will go to the distribution center and I'm I'm paying you work until you believe. I have not paid you. I will keep coming. Okay. And he goes, okay, I'm liking the sound of that. So I okay. gave him something that was right. collateral. Right? Well, I you had to him, offer, right? Correct. Yeah. So I, I, I had time and I gave him that as collateral. Okay. So my, my grandpa ends up lending me the money. And that's how I started with the first. Then when I went to the second, right. obviously it was a higher amount of money because I wanted to open another three at the same time. Oh, okay. So so he goes, okay, it's going to be a long time if you have to pay me this back with work. Right. And I go, well, grandpa, the reality is I'm only asking for you to lend me about 40% of what I need because I already have the other 60%. Because you're making money on the first one. Because I'm making money on the first one. And I'm like, right. listen, I'm, look at it. I'm killing it. Right? Yeah. So now what did, you need, Ed, me- what did you need to open the second location when you need like a table, a kid to work for you and supplies. Is That's that- accurate. That's accurate. So I needed to, to have coverage for us every single location. The, my highest expense was the employee, right? Yeah. Right. Because at the beginning I needed to assume that the hot dog stand was not going to make any money. Right. Okay. Because people needed to get a custom of seeing that kid there selling for at least three weeks. Oh, it took that long for them to go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For them to notice. Oh, there's a guy that sells hot dogs there. Oh, yeah. And okay. this was based on my previous model of how I experienced in the one I had. Right. Right. You did the same problem. Correct. So, okay. so obviously I needed to have the salary that I was going to pay that kid. Right. That after he left school and mainly they were my cousins. Right. So. <laughs> right. Okay. It's like, listen, you're doing nothing with your time. I'm, right. Uh, this is free money for it's you. It's going to be. This is free money for you. And right. you're going to have fun. You're going to meet other kids. Right. What the hell? You know, what other yeah. 12, 13 year old gets to do this? So we were all excited. So I went to three. Long story short, I ended up having 32 hot dog stand by age 15. 32? Yes. And, okay. Uh, 
I, I, I did that with a lot of pride. I, I love every minute of it. I learned a lot. Uh, and how did I you got, distribute? Did each stand just buy the supplies from the store that they were at? So you didn't have to. Correct. Correct. Yeah, okay. That makes correct. sense. Correct. Okay. Correct. Correct. And then my biggest challenge was the weekends were slow. Right. Because so schools I are closed. Because right. the schools are closed. And those right. are, that's my client. That's base. your customers. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. If my okay. customers now walking by the school. Right. Uh, who am I going to sell to? Right. Well, once you be closed on the weekends and you have to pay the employees and you have to buy supplies, it just opened during the week. Well, but the weekends in, in my country are like, if you can make something happen on the weekends, you're set. Right? Okay. So what I did is I created a Domino's club. A and what? People, you Domino's club, like oh yeah, Domino's. I right. bought Domino's table, and assuming, well, if I have them in Domino's tournament, and I started that. Is that one big that down started, in Hunter in uh, Dominican? Hunt, yeah, Domino's I mean, a big, we're a big Domino's fan, right? Wow, we, we okay. love playing Domino's. So okay. what what I did there is I started. I created a tournament. It was free to sign up. And you will okay. compete. And if you win, there was prizes, right? Like if mainly there were adults, the people that play. So I will buy a box of beer that brought 24 beers. And the winner takes a box of 24 beers home. Okay. But guess what? While they're playing, sooner or later, they're going to get hungry. Right? <laughs> of course. And I, here I am uh, right. with hot dogs. It's a setup. The whole thing's a setup. Correct. They don't yeah. know it yet, though. No, of but... course not. That's what's great about it. <laughs> That's the whole deal, right? right? I'm here, and again, sooner or later, they're going to get hungry. And how do you buy the beer? Is there? There's no like drinking age in Dominican. You just buy whatever and, you and, want. And, and, again, the people that own the shops. Oh, they sold that, beer. They sold beer. Oh, right. Okay. So the reality is, I, I'll pay it, and the ones yeah, consuming you get whatever it were you adults. Want. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't the ones like consuming were, were adults. So there's nothing legal going on. Okay. So it grew like Domino's Club group and and people started coming to watch. Right. So now not only the guys playing are buying hot dogs. Was now this at dogs. all 32 locations? You were doing Domino's Clubs? I started at one and right. the Domino's Club successfully happened in 13. Okay, well, All the others were very hard for me to stick with the model because there were not a lot of folks between 30 to 45 around those areas that were doing that. Got right. It. So in the others, I was only open Monday to Friday. But guess what? At the 13 that the Domino's Club worked, overpassed my revenue than all the others combined. Wow. Only on the, so week the weekends. Yeah. So there's a lot more people buying hot dogs. Than so he went from, of course, he went yeah. from, from, because I was rotating people, right? So for you to participate in the Domino's Club, mm. you needed to sign up. <laughs> right. It was, this was very organized. You needed right. to sign up a week before. Yeah. And so you, you knew how many to, people were coming. You'd be ready with your course. hot dogs. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So, so it, it was, it was very, very interesting. As a great and entrepreneurial that's, story. That's how we all began, my friend. That That's okay. how we all began. So, so did my, you, did when you, you said till 15, did you sell the, the business? I ended up, I, I ended up. So my brother who was based in Miami, baking real estate, sees all of this. Okay. Ask me how much money are you making? How much money you have? I'll tell him the amount. And when he goes, 
Shit, at 15, that's a best, very reasonable amount of money. He's older he than knows, you? He's 10 years older than me, exactly. So he was 25, okay. Yeah, so so he goes, why don't you, I, I want to bring you out of Miami, and I right. want you to look at what, what I'm doing here. And uh, pretty much from there, he took me under his wing, and it's like, you're wasting your talent here here in in the dr you need to come to us okay uh yeah 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 so he brings me to us and it was amazing and it you was, had what you still a few years of school left too did you finish school up here i finished school in us uh okay. i finished 11th and 12th grade in us okay right 15 yeah okay yeah and and pretty much then got into real estate then got into quantitative risk analysis and yeah you're telling me the, so that so did you go to school down there college i went to school i went to college here in miami you did okay yeah yeah, yeah. i went to college here in miami and uh did anybody take over the hot dog business after you left the one country? of my cousins one of my cousins did they so, do as well as you did or no mm, they were not as as determined Creative. as i was yeah, right so right. by month number three after i moved here obviously the thing's still working as i left it because it's a very short period of time he now gets 50% of the shares. I'm getting 50% of, of all the revenue. And he now sacks his dad, who's owner of one of the uh, mini markets where the Domino's Club's taking off. And his dad and him bought the whole thing from me. And oh, so you got bought out. Yeah. So they, nice. I, left it, I left it to the two of them. About three years later, they only had like five left. Yeah, it's just um, yeah, that's not you. It was because of you. It wasn't because it was yeah, some brilliant idea yeah. that's gonna work for anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which at a sense, I think it was I don't think it was me making the thing work. I would think it's maybe the approach that I had. If they would have kept the same drive, because I kept the kids that I had working for me, right? I always I never saw them as employees, right? I saw them as an extension of me. And regularly, pe people get lost. People get lost yeah. when they think that because you're selling something, that's just it. And they make it very transactional. Right. There is people that used to go buy a hot dog, not really because they were hungry, but because they were used to going by and talking mm -hmm. to the kid that was selling the hot dog or maybe talking to the other people buying the hot dog. Right. But that all changed when I left because now they're where they were controlling the kids' time, yelling at them if they open late, which, right. again, it wasn't that I was – if someone opened late three times, I was going to call them and say, hey, what's going on? Like, right. Is, is something wrong? I mean, you had a family emergency or are right. you struggling in some way? Right. Well, you're a better manager not doing than that. Yeah. These guys were not doing that. These guys were, oh, you opened three days late. We're gonna discount this from your salary. Yeah, or no, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut you off, right? Yeah, we're gonna replace you and get somebody else. I only had to replace three people, and mind you, by age fifteen, I had, and some of my employees were adults. Like after I grew, I had employees that were adults. Oh, okay. Uh, that were not kids, you know. Yeah. And and the reality is I always have the mindset of, again, they're not my employees. They don't work for me. They work with me. Yeah, no, that's a good attitude. You're yeah. That makes you a better manager. 
Correct. Yeah. All right. So, so I think that's really, I don't think it was me. I think it was mainly the approach they had that, that, that killed the it, business. That killed the business. Because right. again, they could have done what you did. Hot dogs for right. Christ's sake. So they could have done it the way you did it, but they didn't. And it killed Correct. the business. Correct. Got Correct. it. All right. So you, so you came to the States, you finished up high school. And then you got your real estate license and you started selling real estate or? That's accurate. So then I got my real estate license, started selling real estate, got into risk While you're going to college, you went to school. While I'm going to college. That's accurate. While I'm I'm going to college. Okay. So now I have someone that took me under his wing, which is my brother, who's 10 years older than me, who's very bright and pretty much says, you, you got to learn this because you, you're very bright and I believe you can do very well. And five years into it, I met a lot of wonderful people. Uh, I met a couple of people that loved the drive that I had for what I did. Got and it. one of them introduced me to, to quantitative risk analysis and took me under his wing. Uh, had over 40 years of experience in that space. And... From there, it was all history. You know, I fall in love with it. I always love math. And I always love thinking how things can be done better and fixing things. I'm a fixer. You know, I like looking at the thousand ways that something can go wrong. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's why maybe you're successful in the hot dog business because you figured it out and you figured out how to do it. So did you study any of that at school? Or... So that's what I was going to school for. So I was doing business administration oh, okay. school. I was a double major. I was also doing political science because I wanted to be an attorney again, following <laughs> the family. Right. Of course. Uh, one of the You're better school. off. Trust me. You're better off. Correction. Professions. <laughs> and, uh, but then while into it, I, I, start, I did a, uh, an internship at a law firm. And then saw that it was not really who I was, right? Yeah, no, it sucks. Uh, and, 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 and saw that it was not what I wanted to do with my life, right? So after that, I was like, you know what? So the, the law school's not for me. Right. Uh, it's not going to work. I, I, I had a challenge also that while going to school, uh, another experience that was not, I would say, it was an entrepreneurial experience, but I didn't do it for money. This one was done out of necessity. So while I'm going to college, I figure out that I was being ripped off. Uh, by who? Through, through, by buying books from the college uh, bookstore. So yeah, well, no, not like just you. You mean everybody? Everybody, right? right? Everybody. So I get, I get upset. I tell my brother, and he asks me, "What are you going to do about it?" And he goes, "I'll I'll figure something out." I, this cannot keep happening. Right. So two weeks in, I create this little club. I put a ton of posters now, around. Now, what the was the problem that you that? Well, the problem you, is that I went to buy my test books. Right. And once I bought one wrong because the professor had given us the wrong code, and I okay. went to I went to the to the bookstore, and I go listen. I bought this one wrong. It was only a couple of days ago. It was like seven days ago, and they had a return policy of like three days. So right. I meet the return policy by like a day or two, and they go, yeah, we got to buy it back, but we'll only pay you 40% of the value of the book. And the book's and brand go, new, and it wasn't even like, your fault. No, I'm like, the book's brand new. Right. Are you, what are you, mine? Are you insane? You didn't even open it, right? 
no, the book is not even open. Like, what are right. you talking about? And right. he goes, so I asked the guy, so what if another kid comes in right after I sell it to you at 40% of his value? How much is that kid going to have to pay for it? He goes, 100% of the value. They and would I sell go, it for full value. Yeah. Oh. And I go, isn't that a, you're ripping me off. You're ripping people off. How is that fair? Right. It's and wholesale goes, to retail. You're selling it yeah. wholesale. They're, they're selling it retail. That's why. So, so he <laughs> goes, listen, kid, I'm just an employee here. You yeah. Know right. He had no control, right? He didn't. What are you telling I me? I just what do whatever me? they pay me, tell me to do. Right. Don't He's take your frustration. Hourly, yeah. It's not an entrepreneur like you. He's not. Yeah. There's a big opportunity here. He doesn't even me. recognize it, right? <laughs> yeah. No clue. Yeah, so, so first thing I do, I go to the dean. Okay. I, I, I explain my case. They go, ah, this is a nonprofit and we need to be able to bring money in, you know? And I'm like, no, this is not a nonprofit. You're ripping us off. It's not fair. And the reality is you should be helping us to go to school, not penalize us and and, and doing all of these tricky things to make money yeah. out of us. And this is so true they, at the end of the semester, right? You could have a book and if you go to return and course. sell it back, they always make a big spread. Correct. So, okay. so. They go, Ed, you're, you're talking to the hand here. There's no way we can change the model. Like, right. this is this, this is, is it. the way it's done. Yeah. It's the way All it's the done. schools are like. They still do that. Yeah. 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 So 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 then I create this club and I put posters all around the school. And we meet every Monday of every semester or every Friday of every semester. And at the end of the semester, either Monday and Friday as well. And we will exchange books, right? Let's say you had managerial accounting right? and I was going to go to biology or to uh, human development, for example, right? right? Which are basic classes. And I did it last semester. You're doing it this semester. You right. have the books I need. You have the books I need. And so now we can exchange. trade. Right. All right. Now we can trade and it's not going to cost us 60% devaluation on the book. Right. Let's say I didn't even have the book. Well, now instead of selling it for 40%, you could actually sell it to another kid for 60. You made a little bit more money and that other kid just say 40%. So right. it was you, you a win-win. Undercut the uh Yeah. Yeah. It was store. a win-win all around. Right. Now but you need an exchange you, because usually it's not a match, right? Correct. Between what you Co need and what correct. I need. Correct. Right. Yeah. And in some cases, it was just, I need this, you have it, I give you money, right? Right. So a couple of semesters go by and I get this interesting letter from the college saying, I'm going to get what is called a reprimand letter. Because why? You're not allowed to do this? And I go, okay, I don't understand. Yeah. Like I created a system to help my peer college students. Yeah. And I'm not making money from of it. Right. Like you cannot even say I'm soliciting because I'm not making any money out of this. Right. And they go, Ed, you're going to go to law school, read the documents you signed when you came into the institution. And okay. you'll see there that you are not allowed to compete with any of the services we offer or solicit, because even though you say you're not soliciting, you are because you're, you're posting your posters in our bathrooms, in our cafeteria. In our bookstore. <laughs> right. So you're competing with the bookstore, basically. So you, you're competing you're putting with the, the flyers up in the bookstore. Yeah. I mean, That's I, good. I, I'm like, <laughs> I want to help the kids. I mean, right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to put them wherever I can. Right. Yeah. So, 
So they so go, they shut you down, basically. They shoot me down. And, and I go, listen, you, you don't know what you're doing. And understand something. I'll finish this semester. At the same time, I was also doing the internship at the law firm. So now I'm having doubts that I really want to become a lawyer. So I'm like, you know what? I'll finish this semester. And after this, I'll study, but not to become anything. I'll study whatever courses I decide I want to study to learn. Not because okay. I want to graduate Just to and get your a degree lawyer. and learn Correct. anything you wanted to learn. Okay. Correct. So uh, second, second time they, they asked me in, uh, they tell me, listen, you, you, yeah, you're not posting in the school, but you're still meeting kids outside the school. So they told me I could not meet them at any place that was related to the school. There was only one place that meted that criteria, and that was McDonald's. There was a McDonald's a couple blocks around the school where that was not their property. Okay. So, so the, like, com well, the compete was on campus, basically. Correct. The correct. It's on campus. Okay. So okay. I found a little loophole. Yeah. So then they said, yeah, but you didn't know this little fact. We own the land where the McDonald's is at. Oh, they lease it to McDonald's? They were leasing to McDonald's, right? And oh, even though it's kind of like a partnership because it's on a hundred year lease. Right. Yeah, it's a lease. They, back. It's, a, it's a lease back, right? Yeah. So I go, this this guy, the devil is in the details. So I now frustrated. I decided to take the whole business online. Okay, uh, that's a good idea. It took me two, it took me two, three weeks to come up with I gotta take it online because they can do anything against me if I do it online. So I create a website called Blast Books. Okay. And pretty much it grew up like fire. Like seven months in, yeah. I had millions of members now. Really? Like my school was complaining because I dropped their sales by like 40, 60% within the time I was doing what I was doing. Just locally though. Just locally. Now right. I'm affecting other places that are not even in Florida. Right. Because people are like, oh, wait, wait a second. We're taking the same course. Yeah. Using the same textbook in University yeah. of Texas. And then yeah. you go, yeah. okay, fine. We'll switch yeah. from Miami yeah. to Texas. Yeah. 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 So it became it became a lot bigger than I ever intended to. Right. So now when it hit nine million members, nine now million? I'm, yes. Okay. Yes. Now I'm looking at it differently. Now I'm like, fuck, this can become this a could business. be a business. Yeah. You got a lot of this, use, just the users. That yeah. list is by worth money. Yeah. So yeah. so now. Mind you, zero advertising. This is all word of mouth. So just like somebody found it and would tell somebody else about the website and that grew to 9 million members. No yes. advertising, no, no social advertising. media, no postings, nothing. I was posting on Facebook, FYI. Okay. That, was, that it. was it. That was it. So now I decide, you know what? I'm going to study this market because if I have done this organically, imagine what I could do if I actually invest money into it. And now I treat it as a business instead of just fixing a problem. I'm a problem solver. That's how I see myself. So you weren't or, even making money. Like if I'm in, in Texas no. and my friend is in North Florida and we exchange books, you didn't make any money. So how no did money. we exchange the books? You just got each other's address and we mailed the stuff and you weren't involved. So, so pretty much I created, I taught myself out of code. I created okay. a little website, very basic, right. on a software called Joomla. 
which okay. allows you to build social medias on top of their platform. Uh, so I created something similar to any of the other social medias that were active back then that allow kids to chat, allow them to post pictures, allow them to. But the intention of the whole thing was you, you have a book that I need. Right. And I'm willing to pay you 50 bucks for it. And in the bookstore, it costs 75, 100. Right. Right. So what was one of the biggest challenges that I solved was that the reason they could repost off of school was because they allowed us to use the money that kids get for financial aid to buy books. Right. 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 So now I see that as a problem because I cannot compete there. So what I did is I reached out to PayPal and pretty much told them what my problem was and who I was competing with. And PayPal goes, you're not going to believe it. We just pull out something called Build Me Later about a year and a half ago. We want you to look at it. And in reality, the reality is we can give you the API. You can have it on your website. And we will be willing to lend to your kids for six months, interest-free, like zero. We won't charge them a dime. And it costs you nothing. Right. And That's I go, become a big industry now. Pay, pay as you go with no interest, you know. That was kind of that was kind of the beginning of the whole thing, right? Uh, So when I add that to the website, now that became more attractive because I had kids coming in to take advantage of exactly that. Now they can wait for the financial aid money and pay PayPal after they get the money instead of having to pay triple for the book at the bookstore at their college. Right. Yeah. So now I filed for trademarks. Okay. And what was the three name of the months, because now it's, it's not even a business. Now I form a company. Okay. I'm making no money, right? It's, this was <laughs> this was something that I did to solve a problem that I yourself, had, right? And <laughs> and that I saw that my peers. Right, but you're a business guy. That's what you yeah. do. Yeah. So what so was the I name of the company? What was it? Called? Blast books. Blast books. Blast books. Oh, you mentioned that at the beginning, right? Blast. Yeah. Books. Blast books. Blast. B l a s t. Blast books. Yes. So okay. blast b. L-A-S-S. So blast means fast in Greek. And I had a, oh. a Greek guy back in my country that used to call me that. I Got used to it. play baseball and I was very fast and he used to call me blast. Ah, so, okay. Well, there's a story there. Yeah. So pretty okay. much that's, that's where he came out of. And then books, because that's where the kids were trading, right? They were trading yeah. books. I thought it was like blast books. Like we're blasting off and leaving these guys in the dust. Okay. All right. So. Three months in, I get now subpoena from from from, from Facebook. <laughs> from Facebook? Yes. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why in the hell are you sending me a subpoena? So when I open it up, I look at it. It's a demand letter. And they're saying that I have Was an cease and desist letter. Cease and desist. They, okay. they, they say that I have an infringement on their mark. Because the name of my business is Blast Books and the name of their business is Facebook. And I go, yeah, that doesn't add up to me because I'm allowing kids to trade books. And yeah, I can see you seeing me as a competitor because you know I'm going to make money in the future, maybe similar to how you make money. But the reality is I only not have 9 million plus members. You got billions of members. Like Right. So Blast Books was one word. Yeah, it was all one word. But book books with an S, right? Books with an S. So and so did you apply for the trademark and then they were opposing it? And then they were opposing it. Okay. 
Yeah. So so pretty much we went into a legal battle. You went to a legal battle with Facebook? Yes. Yes. Obviously, they had a lot better resources. Yeah, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was young and stubborn. uh, So it took three years for me to figure it out that I was never going to fucking win. Right. Of course, because they just have money. I had a I tried. I filed for a trademark for the podcast. And sure enough, I get a cease and desist letter from Entrepreneur Magazine and Entrepreneur.com. It's the same company. And they, anybody who uses the word entrepreneur, they go after because they want to protect their mark. Yeah. So eventually I agreed to just withdraw the application and I just continued to operate. I don't care yeah. those other words. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the problems is that they just have money. That's that's the biggest problem. Even right? if you're right. Even if you're right. So yeah. so pretty much they I saw that their strategy was not really to win. Their strategy was to draw me. On legal fees and all of the BS right. and standard, but and they standard. don't sell books. It's one thing they if Amazon was saying, "Hey, they, you're selling they, books," you know. Yeah, yeah, they they don't. So, pretty much, uh, we ended up settling privately, uh, and that was the end of Blast Books. Then oh, it ended. You shut the whole company down. Well, soon after, they came up with Facebook Marketplace. Oh, and you could exchange things right on there, right? So, so. Right. I'll I'll leave it there because uh, yeah. it was it was like eBay, uh, basically. Correct, correct. Yeah. So so and and we ended up on on that should on have private. been your idea. eBay started with books and grew yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so pretty much that that's that. Then after that, I and how I get old into, were you at that point, Ed? Shoot, I'm twenty three. Okay, so almost the end of school, or you're already out of school. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So okay. The most stressful years of my life, I could say. When you were uh, dealing with Facebook? Yeah, that, that yeah. legal battle, pretty I'm much. I'm sure. Uh, but I learned a lot through it. Because yeah. in our discoveries, yes, I had to share all my documents with them. But guess what? They had to share all of the documents with me. Yeah, you had got to see some stuff you wouldn't normally yeah. get to see. And, and, and here, they're dealing with a junkie on the other side that loves reading Right. And that truly exactly. wants to understand how they made a huge monster, right? Yeah. So so I got to see stuff that maybe nobody else has been able to ever see. And I was asking for particular stuff. Uh, I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see that. And they would that. send it? They would send it. Yeah. Yeah, they because you, if they're the ones making the claim, they have to provide That's accurate. the evidence. Right. Exactly. That's accurate. That's accurate. So, so I mean... Even though it was stre- stressful, I learned a lot from those days. And uh, then 2013, uh, I I literally get introduced to blockchain. Okay, it's like nine years ago. That was early on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, get introduced to blockchain, fall in love with it. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. 
Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly tab board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools and customized strategic planning workshops, tab membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Uh, yeah, because you, that's you, your math and the whole thing. Uh, it took me like six years just to understand what it is. I think I'm just understanding it. Well, in my end, when I saw it, I'm a practical guy and I like understanding what I do. So the first thing I said is I'm going to start mining. And that's okay. how I started. Okay. So when it was I just Bitcoin, the, right? I was mining Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. So you need a lot of computing power to do that, right? So on Ethereum, I already knew how to code and I already knew software and and hardware. So I started building mining rigs with GPUs myself to mine Ethereum, right? To try and error. That gets mined also? They all get mined like uh, Bitcoin, the same type of thing? Yeah, Ethereum used to get mined. Now they're they're, they're going proof of stake. They just have gone proof of stake. But they each just it was just proof of work, just like Bitcoin in the past. What's proof and of stake versus proof of work? So proof of work is you have to have a machine mining to discover the transaction, right? Okay. Competing computing power, competing right. to find and the you results. have to prove that you did it. Co- the, the machine, right? Machine, does right, which you own. Yeah, correct. Right. Which I own. So whatever that machine made was mine. Right. Now proof of stake is different because. All I have to do is just hold that token and stake it, right? Okay. So it's it's like, let's say you and I decide to become uh, and stake uh, Tezos, for example. Okay. So the network will reward us for staking their token and pay us similar to mining a reward for like staking a commission. Their, like a commission or, or like a dividend, right? Yeah, right. Okay. And- and that's the difference between the two in simple just, terms. Because if we go yeah, into the it's too complicated. technical things, it's too people complicated and, and people get lost. Right. So, right, right. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so now that was nine, nine years ago. That was nine, that years, was nine ago. years ago. That was okay. nine years ago. So after I truly understand the technology, I saw that crypto was just an application, right? You see, they, you know how I, how is it that I saw it? I looked at it as the internet and Yahoo. If you yeah. go back in time and you ask people in the 1990, what was the internet? You were going to get a 70 to 60% chance of people telling you Yahoo was the internet. 
Yeah, there was no Google in the early 2000s. No, so, so they will tell no. you Yahoo was the internet, right? Is Yahoo really the internet? Not really. No. Yahoo was just an application. It was a, it was a search worked. engine at that time, right? Correct. Correct. That worked with internet. Right. It's just the same like with Netscape or uh, Internet Explorer. They're just browsers to look at the internet. Pretty much. Same right. example with blockchain and crypto. Right, right now, if you ask a thousand people what's blockchain, 90% of them are going to tell you crypto. Right, of course. But blockchain, it's just a, a way of verifying transactions. Exactly. I, I see exactly. people using it now in the real estate industry. They're working on legal, where contracts, because I do contracts, Ed, and I, I go back and forth. I can't keep, even though I'm writing version two, version three, ver you lose track. And then somebody yeah. sends you something. You have no confidence that it's the same document that you I sent use. them. You got to go through the whole thing and make sure they're not That's screwing accurate. around with things. If it was That's blockchain, accurate. I wouldn't have that problem. That's accurate. That's yeah. accurate. So, yeah. so I took a step further. And what we've done is we built a platform okay. that allows a small uh, family offices or family offices in general, okay. uh, accredited investors and funds, investment banks to sit at the same table that the funds that are managing $5 billion, right. $1 trillion, sit at even though they don't have that type that kind of capital power right okay. so and how we did that is we created a platform to securitize interest in multiple industries so i give you okay. an example yeah uh the first uh deal that we did in real estate uh was a commercial mortgage backed security that was the first structure Right. Right. And just for people listening, that's a, a security that's created and it's collateralized and backed by mortgages on probably more than one building, right? Multiple package of mortgages. That's accurate. So Cash in this case, whatever. Yeah. Correct. So in this case, we only use one because like, we okay. were just testing it. Okay. And it was just the structure, right? That's all. That was our service. We provided the structure and we provided the platform where it can happen. Okay. And the story got picked up by by uh Coastar, which okay. is a very large yeah. uh uh data company for banks directly. Right. And uh it got so much traction than and more than we expected, right? So the deal gets done. Uh financial institutions end up coming in and offering better terms than what we're offering okay. and taking the deal. But because we put it together in the way that we put it together, right? They liked what you were doing. Correct. So yeah. now we're doing the same. Imagine someone that's going to go and purchase a commercial mortgage-backed security in the secondary market right. must have hundreds of millions, if not billions, because they're going to buy a chunk. They're going to buy multiple mortgages packaged together right. in one instrument. Now we're giving opportunities to one guy, accredited investor or a small family office that manages 100, 200 million to write a $3 million check and make returns the same way that a billion dollar fund would on a $300 million position, right? So, like, so it's participation, basically. It's participation. So we, we, we have created a way through security tokens that you can buy portions of the investment and be treated the same way 
all people in the cap table get treated the same. Doesn't matter if they own 1% or if they own 50%. Okay. They get treated exactly the same way. Right. So we we done, we've done now we have a biofuel deal, uh, for example, for a company that's called World Class Holdings okay. and a company that's called Northwest Advanced Biofuel. And that's a very exciting deal as well, because what we did on that one is we put together a structure where this biofuel company is getting a loan that's going to be a five-year note that gets okay. repaid 100%, paying 11% interest a year on that note. Now- They're using the, it to raise capital. They're borrowing money. Correct. Now, okay. what's, what is the best thing out of what I just said? We put in a 7% cash uh, incentive in that deal. That's in perpetuity, even after the debt is paid, right? So here you have- Well, explain that. Is that that's like an equity position? It's an equity sweetener of some sort? It's not an equity position. It's a cash incentive that's equity-like. And the only reason I made it be structured not as equity is because if the company gets diluted, that 7% can become one very fast. Right. That makes sense. You see? So if I they gave me the option, if you take it as a cash incentive in perpetuity, we'll give you the non-dilution clause that you want, and your 7% will always be 7%. And that's what I wanted. 7% right? of what? Profits? 7% of profits. Okay. Okay. So now you we have this jet biofuel company that has a contract with Delta Airlines to purchase 100% of their biofuel for the next 10 years, plus two five-year extensions. Okay. They have a commitment, or I will say a agreement with Stone Peak that within 24 months, Stone Peak is going to come in with 600 million. And we have senior position on that $65 million debt which means they're going to pay us off because they're going to want senior right. position, right? Right. And after they pay us off, we now have the 7% in perpetuity that is non-dilutable. That's a beautiful deal. So you still have the 7% even after? After the in? debt is repaid. It's so why forever. would a company do that? Because they have to raise, they need to raise the money? Well, so... I'm finding I'm looking for I'm a problem solver, right? Right. ESG and 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 is one of the things that passions me the most. So when this company approached us, they told me, Ed, the biggest problem in the ESG market is, unfortunately, you see, we get we have Stone Peak for round number two, and we got uh, another large financial institution for round number three coming in with 1.2 billion. Uh, but we don't have, we had within a seat round, it got taken by Delta. We now need 65 million, but we're too small for the large funds. Oh, is that the problem? They're looking to raise 65 million, and that's not the large funds aren't interested in it. No. So they're like, there's this gap between large funds. And we, if we actually go and raise $600 million now, we're going to have to give them too much equity at the level we are. We need the 65 so we can actually raise at a higher valuation when we do the 600. 
But this is a bond issue, right? I mean, it's they're issuing a bond. They're not issuing a bond. So what we're no? doing is no. So we're doing a structure as a debt indenture. So it's, okay. it's a debt indenture that is a five-year note, gets repaid 100%, okay. and has a 7% cash incentive in perpetuity after the debt gets repaid. So it's a debenture note. Okay. But it's, right. but it's debt. It's not equity. So it's debt. It's not equity. Right. Now, it's only, the it's backed 7% by the company. That's it. It's right? backed by the company, and we have senior position, FYI. Okay. Right. So if they want to get debt, they got to issue go you in, more. Right. They got to keep they, you. Yeah. Either they got to pay us off, which I believe that's what's going to happen because we are at a, at a smaller valuation than when, what they're happy with. Right. Uh, we're getting senior position. And we have this 11% interest, which is not cheap, right? right? So I believe that instead of letting us do more debt, they're going to take us out uh, within the 24 months that we have a prepayment penalty for. Uh, so as soon as Stone Peak's money come in, I believe they're going to take the position that we have in our platform out. So so the family office, or maybe it's a multifamily office, they're their opportunity is that they're going to get they're getting more on their money Attack than it. they would in the marketplace going buying bonds Attack or investing it. privately. Attack that, because understand something if i would have structured this how i used to structure before a single family office will come and write it right up the whole 65 million dollar check yeah. i sold it to one person now a family office that has 300 million under management 200 million under management Cannot write a sixty-five million. No, it's check. too big of the asset. It's too yeah. big because right. it, it would be it'd be it's risky too big of a for position them. to be in. Correct, right. it'd be risky for them. Yeah. Now, if I tell them that they can come in with five million or one million and have the same benefit as if they wrote a sixty-five million dollar check, now we're talking. Because the company that was raising the sixty-five million, they didn't want to do it in parts. They want to do it all at once, and you're raising the money to do it as a pool. We're raising the money to do it as a pool and pretty much allowing people to come in and buy portions of it instead of having to buy the whole thing. Okay. But they couldn't go directly to the company as the company doesn't want to deal with the cap table of uh, or the debentures. They don't want to deal with any of that. No, no. They don't want to deal with any of that. And we put it in a security token uh, that uh, is, is on blockchain. Register on the REC 506C and REC S. Yeah. And they have to be accredited. They, they have to go through AML. Correct. Correct. Direct defiling. They have to do AML. They got to do KYC. They got to do accreditation. So we have created a platform to allow them to actually participate and get a seat at the big boys table without having to have the big boys checkbook. And okay. That's pretty much the, the whole niche. How well, what do is, we what get, does blockchain do for the how does that protect them? Well, blockchain is, is pretty much we are we are using blockchain to calculate the transactions, calculate the positions. The security tokens are on blockchain. So look at it as okay. a on a stock that's on blockchain in simple terms. I'm gonna keep it very simple here. Look at it as a stock that's on blockchain. So okay. now insider trading. Because after 12 months of issuance, right. they can trade their position, FYI, right? Oh, and but they just got to prove ownership. Blockchain protects ownership and chain of title. Correct. So, it. and it's all done through an STO. So now you can go and sell 
security tokens that T0, for example, which is one of the STOs that, that we work with. What does STO stand for? Uh, so secondary uh, trading markets, right? Okay. Or uh, T0, in, the, in the case of T0, T0 has been around in the security token market space exactly, right? So they are allowing secondary trading uh, on positions that before did not have a secondary trading aspect. So okay. here, here you have an opportunity to be able to not only participate in this type of deal, which before, if you wrote a $65 million check, right. you needed to write the whole deal. You needed to wait until the deal was finalized if you wanted to sell your position, and you needed to be in for the long haul. Here, you have the advantage of being able to trade it, even though I don't believe there's going to be a lot of people trading their position. Right. Because of the seven percent cash incentive, right? You don't want to give that up, but it still adds a it, it adds an element of liquidity to it if you need. It's it. a good option to have. It reduces your risk, right? right. Yeah, so. it's a good option to have. Right. So, how did you guys get started with this? This is through BPN or another this company. Is, this is through BPN. Okay. And we started in 2018. Okay. I saw that I I could do exactly what I used to do as a quantitative risk analyst for huge funds that had billions on their management right. for the smaller guys that had maybe a uh, hundred thousand to invest or 500,000 to invest, 25,000 to invest. Right. And I mean, I created an, a structure in 2012 called the billionaire structure in real estate okay. that makes a hundred percent return. They want a hundred. How's that work? Very simple. Let's say okay. we're building a billion dollar tower, right? Okay. That billion dollar tower needs to have 20% of the cost to develop to be able to get senior debt. Okay, so you need basically 20% down, what you need. 20% down, right? right. So okay. before that 20% down will come in from a billionaire and yeah. will write a, the whole $200 million check. Okay. Now, in exchange for that 20%, my ask was we needed 40% of the equity of the entire project. So that okay. means. We come in day one with 20%. We get 40% of the equity of the entire project, meaning we get 100% return day one in equity in the position. And if a building costs a billion to build, obviously it's because it's going to be worth 1.5, 1.7 billion by the time it's finished. Right. So you have just made 100% the day you come in. By the time the deal is fully developed, you just made 150 to 200% right. based on the new valuation of the development. Because yeah, the 40% is now of the larger number. Correct. Like real estate and leverage. Co correct. Right? Correct. So uh, with that example, then we went to large financial institutions to get that. And my expertise in, in as a quant analyst was in commercial mortgage-backed securities or securities that were traded mainly in the secondary market. Okay. So I understand how banks underwrite more than many. So pretty much we were able to help the developers to get the debt at the best terms they could possibly get There's it at. Huge deals though, big developments. Well, big deals, big developments. So the only challenge the billionaire structure had was that the only people that could participate needed to be billionaires. Right. Because if you go to a family office that's managing 300 million, they're not going to be able to write 
I check if 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 you need 200 or if you right. need 300. So that was the challenge. And now what we're doing, they can actually come into these deals and write a $5 million check, make a 100% return based on their investment day one, and have all of the upside in the world when this development is finalized. So let me take a step back a little bit, because we were talking about blast books, right? Coming out of school, and then you started studying with this guy, all the analysis that you do. How did that go from the local, the little entrepreneur? I mean, I know you had nine million in Dell Facebook, and that came to an end, to doing such large, complicated deals with these family offices. Where that had you, you don't just walk out one day and say, I'm going to do business with family offices, and they all call you and say, Okay, Ed, we're in. You got to get into these groups. You got, you know, how did so, that so come I, about? So I started as a quant analyst. I got yeah. introduced to, because I understand we're on the writing risk on whatever they were going to put their money on. And in the ma- majority for, of the You were time, working for a company that did that? I was working for a company back then, right? Okay. And pretty much what that, that was the only purpose of that company, on the right risk and do quantitative risk analysis for all of these funds in family offices that invested mainly in the secondary market. Okay. Right. And I learned how, not only how the banking work in the secondary market, but also what the problems a lot of the funds had and why they needed uh, to do some of the things that they, that we were advising to do at that risk company. Right. Okay. So after I started doing, the structures. So my first request and the first time that I got kind of out of doing risk analysis was a client that proposed it. So a client comes in and says, Ed, is, this is 2012. Okay. He says, Ed, I don't want to put our, I don't want to put my funds money with the banks anymore. Because he's losing go, faith in what's going on with the banks. Yes. Okay. He's losing faith and he goes, right. Yeah, there's no FDIC insurance when you got billions of dollars. Pretty much. Pretty right. much. So he goes, we want to be in a position where the bank's taking the majority of the risk. Because for now, we've been taking the majority of the risk whenever we buy their paper in the secondary market at a discount because they still manage the paper, right? Okay. So in simple terms, so the everyday person understands, when you get a mortgage, it's not the bank's money they're giving you, right? They package it and then sell it to a secondary investor. And that guy holds the paper. Right. And the bank just manages that, right? right. When well, you make they, your it's mortgage the bank's payment, money at the beginning, and then they correct. give and you the money, it. they take the paper, and they sell it. And they sell the paper. <laughs> That's right? why you sign so, those papers, and the name changes three weeks after this guy's servicing it. Somebody else is an investor. It's out in the correct. world out there. You'll never stay with the same bank that you get correct. a mortgage from. Yeah, Correct. That correct. I understand. So, okay. Correct. So now you have a group that has been doing that for many years, okay. buying buying this instrument from the secondary market, from the largest from the banks, banks. Right. from the banks, and they want out. And they it's always got, a package, right? They always buy yes. a package of mortgages, right? Package of mortgages. 50 so, million, so they, 100 million, whatever. 500 million, 3 billion, yeah. large numbers, right? Yeah. And our job was to underwrite risk on that. Okay. Make yeah, because sure you can't that, really see every mortgage that's in the package, right? It's hard to assess the risk. Without really That's getting accurate. into quantitative analysis. Okay. That's accurate. So pretty much now this client says, there's an opportunity for you outside of what you do. We like how you on the right. 
you're very conservative, uh, but at the same time, you're very creative. So we have X amount of dollars. Right. And we want out of the banking, out of banking system. We want a more direct investment and help the development crisis that we're currently in at this point. So I go, okay. So they say there's this amount of money that we're willing to put out and allow you to, to, to underwrite on as long as the deals are very conservative and very profitable for us. And we're not the big risk taker. So I go, you came to the right guy. <laughs> I, I, that, that's what I do. That's my It's like the banks. They want to lend you yeah. money with no risk. Yeah. And first, they want you to put a million dollars in the bank so they can lend you 800000 On that million. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they have no right. risk. Correct. So, so pretty much, I sat. It took me about three weeks to come up with the structure. I saw what the problem in the development world was. They In 2012, banks were very tight at lending. Yeah. They wanted you to have 20% liquid yeah okay they didn't want it to see your yeah, because they your, were stupid they got greedy before and then they get yes. burned and then they back yes. off and they yeah it's yeah. always yeah. happens yeah. yeah yeah so so pretty much now there's this ton of development stock that cannot happen because there's yeah. not a lot of developers that have liquidity like that like right, if you're right. building no. a billion dollar building yeah. i mean it's a hard asset how are you going to pull out 200 million to then go to the next one you don't do that i mean right. it, it's too expensive Right. So I start talking to the developers and asking them, what can I do for you? Like, what is your big problem? They go, well, there's two problems. First, everybody that wants in wants to take over 51%. They want control. And they're coming in with the money we need to develop, right? Right. Second, that's a big risk for us because if they have 51%, yeah, we have 49%, but we're kind of unemployed now. Because if they, they decide they, wanna, they can they can fire us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's our own deal that we worked nine, right. 10 years to put together, do the entitlements, get this thing to where it's at to get it pretty much ready to go and to break ground, and they can fire us. So I go, okay, that's challenge number one. Give me challenge number two. Well, challenge number two is banks pretty much, they're very tired. Eh? I mean, it's impossible to get debt. In this market. So I go, I can solve both of your problems. Solution number one. I'm going to use the same numbers I used before. If okay. you're building a, two, a $1 billion development, we're yeah. going to come in with $200 million. That means it's 20% of the cost of the development. We want 40% of the equity. Hence, you, the developer, hold control at 60% in the cap table. Oh, my God. It, that's fantastic. We'll do that deal every day. Okay. okay, that's great. Second solution is we understand how banks underwrite and we understand how their papers need to look so they can move it in the secondary market. Right. It's got to be clean a certain way. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and become your broker and help you prepare the package to get the debt. Fantastic. You're gonna resolve all of our problems. Now these so are now, the developers, right? These are the developers. So now I go back to the hedge fund. And I tell them hedge I have funds the, the family office, basically. No, this was a hedge fund directly. It was okay. not a family office. It was a fund that had a lot of money under management. And they were the ones that kind of put me up to this because they wanted out of the banking system. So they had a lot of investors in hedge funds. That's accurate. 
That's accurate. So when I go to them, they and I tell them this, they're like, you're kidding. And I go, no, I'm not. I can get you 100% return. Right. Day one with about 50 to 70% upside within three to five years. Well, because once the buildings develop, the value Correct. goes up. Yeah. Correct. Not only that, guess who's going to do and take 65% of the risk? And they go, who? The bank. <laughs> so they loved it. They're like, you just put us in the position that we wanted to be in. Because now our exposure is only 20%. And a bank's exposure is 65% on the deal. And guess what? Yeah, the bank's going to make 5 6 7% on the money. We're making 100% return they want in equity. And we have an upside between 50 to 70% while this thing is developed. And we have the smallest amount of risk, the smallest amount of, uh, I would say, exposure into, right. the, into the deal. So we did that multiple times. And again, now we have deals exactly structured as I just mentioned, but family offices that can write a one to $5 million check can come in, which before the only people that could participate were those that could write a $200 million check. And and you're only underwriting real estate deals, right? You're working with builder developers or no? No. Again, that deal that I just mentioned a little earlier ago with Delta that is a, a, an ESG jet biofuel deal, right? Oh, right. You said that. Okay. So the only thing, the only requirement for us to look at a deal is he has to pass a quantitative risk analysis. If oh, okay. we look at, if you look at your company and you come to us and say, I need $5 million and we run a quantitative risk analysis and he rates a seven out of 10, we're talking. We can work ah, with you. Okay. If he rates below a seven, I'm sorry, we can't do much for you. If he rates a six, we might be able to get you debt from a bank because uh, they on the right, similar base on a six, if you compare it to what we're doing. Uh, so we have deals in the CVD space. There's a big challenge in the CVD space. Sure. Right. Correct. So so we have a There's not a, a lot deal. of people that want to lend to companies. How about cannabis? Can they, is that a problem because it's... Cannabis we're still not dealing with right? because of the regulation because it's not federally approved. Right. But in the ham CVD space, where we have on a structure today that pay nine 9.5% interest a year, and it's a convertible note. It converts by year number three into equity into the company, which for an investor that's writing a five, uh, fifty, a hundred thousand dollar check. Make 9.5% on your money a year is not bad at all. No, that's a uh, lot. And with low risk. With very low risk. You have to take a lot of risk to get those kind of returns. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So so that's that's our model. How okay. can we bring small family offices and, and family offices and accredited investors, these opportunities that before were only reserved for billionaires. Right. And that we used to structure before only for those that, that had those big checks that they could write. That's that's what we're doing at VPN. And we're, we'll do it in any industry pretty much. Okay, so so let me ask you this question. Uh, let's get out of the weeds a little bit with regard to the technicalities of the deals. From a business standpoint, how do you do business development, right? You have to find the deals and then you got to find the investors. So how do you guys go about doing that? So we have, in the investor side, we have partnered with investment banks, broker dealers, 
okay. uh, investment advisors. Uh, that bring funds. you accredited people and family offices yeah. and yeah. stuff like that because they're yeah. all looking yeah. for deals. Yeah, that's okay. Accurate. That's accurate. So that's what we've done there, right? And what about the other when, side? When they see what we put together, they're like, get out of here. You're out of your mind. We can sell this anytime. Right. And the 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 challenge this time is a single institution one at all. Ed, we want exclusivity. We want to take everything. Yeah, no, you're not doing it. And that's not what we're doing. That's not what I created this for. Right. Right. That defeats the purpose of what we've done. So, and then in the other side, I I can say I've been blessed, right? Because in 2018, when I started BPN, I went through over 350 people that I interviewed personally to put together the team that I put together for BPN. How many guys you got in BPN? In the board, we got 16 people. 16 on the board? And yes. how many employees? And you know, So between employees managing? and contractors, we're about 43. Oh, not a huge group. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so then we group. have... Correct. And then we have uh, people you have that are analysts. You don't do the analyst analysis yourself now. So you have no, in-house analysts. No. So and stuff? I have I have quantitative risk analysts that I have met through my life that, that have their own firm. And that's what they them do. by your hand. Oh, so they're subcontracted out. Yeah. Yeah. We're subcontract them. And pretty much they understand how this whole thing works because they've been at it for a long time. Now. On getting the businesses, yeah, that's the easy part because oh, okay. sure, it's all easy. Thanks <laughs> to the relationships that I have cultivated through all of these years, is like everything I've done in life was to lead me up to this. Seems like that all, way, right? All yeah. of the all all of the realms set together, and we're like, here it is, we're up for the taking. So after I put this board together. I, I got people in the board that is like how uh, people ask me sometimes how you get this guy to, to come into your board. Right. So you got some really high powered, very high power. Well, people. because you I mean, asked them probably, right? <laughs> not only because I asked them, but because when I asked, I, I, I asked very straightforward. I mean, I don't I don't sell crap to anybody. I give you right. an example. Well, you're a smart guy. The, and you know, the like hardest. Yeah. The hardest guy that I will say. Harder to recruit was Jay Elliott. The XBP okay. of Apple, right? Okay. So I get put together with Jay on a call. Jay's retired, well off. He's in his 80s. Right. He doesn't need to do anything. Right. <laughs> right. So here it's fun he has, for him. Right. Yeah. Here he has this kid that gets introduced to him by the XBP of Citigroup. And the SBP of Citigroup just tells this guy, this is the smartest guy I ever met. Right. And you need to talk to him. So I get put in the phone with Jay and Jay right off the top tells me, you got five minutes. Tell me, tell me what you will want to do with me and what is it? And it's like, I don't need five minutes. It's, it's, it's very simple. I have something that could change the world. The financial system that we're currently on is it's just it's totally uh, crap. And there's a lot of opportunities at the top that don't ever get to the bottom. And I'm going to do what you guys did to IBM in the 80s and 90s. I'm going to do to the to the financial markets. And we're going to do it through blockchain. And you've done it already. And I would love for you to be my team. So he said that it was five minutes I had. That ended up being a two-hour conversation. 
Right. Everybody says and, they got five minutes, so they're interested. Right? Yeah. And they got all the time in the world. Yeah. So 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 that became a two-hour conversation. And, and then he became my mentor, right? This is a guy that was mentored to Steve Jobs. Right. And truly understand how what I'm doing could be done because he's done it. You see, this is one of the guys that when Steve got caught off of Apple, he got caught off too because he was that close with Steve, right? So, and he was their SVP at that time, right? So uh, that was one of the hardest guys to to, to get in. But aside from that, we have, uh, again, people that were in investment banking, uh, people that... uh, have worked for large financial institutions, real estate moguls, uh, real estate brokers that have brokerages with 500,000 real estate agents. Right, big. And they're doing it. And yeah. they have access to big deals and stuff. Correct. Correct. So, and, and that's how our deal flow comes in because we do a, a, a board meeting every once, uh, every two months. And every time we meet and talk, there is a ton of deals that we can have access to. And we put through our system. And if you pass a quantitative risk analysis, we're willing to look at. Today, what's the, what's the deal size from small to large? What's the smallest deal you've ever done? As small as would take is five million. Okay. Largest, there, there's no, there's no limit. Uh, we, we can handle any size. Uh, for example, we signed a contract a couple of weeks ago with a gold family for $64 billion. Okay. And we're going to, to raise do... them $64 billion? Yes. Yes. Okay. And their collateral is going to be gold. Okay. Well, that's good collateral, right? Yeah. That's great collateral. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, you I know? mean, it's there's a market to gold. It goes up and yeah. down, but generally yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah. That, 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 that's great collateral. And in real estate today, structures that have passed our quantitative risk analysis, we have close to $17 billion. You know, and and we have in New York, uh, L.A., Miami, Middle Beach, North Carolina, South Carolina, Dominican Republic. Now we're looking something with uh, in a couple of the Caribbean islands as well. Uh, we got a robotics company uh, out of Singapore. Yeah. FinTech. Uh, and All kinds and of stuff. Health so, you, tech. so you don't have. So it, you're not like a fund. No, you're, we're not. You're, you have. Accredited investors and things investing in dip in separate deals, right? That's accurate. Everything That's stands accurate. alone. That's accurate. That's accurate. And what we're Got doing it. is we're putting we're allowing people to have access to it. Doesn't matter if your checkbook is has five million or if it has five billion. You right? can still you, participate. You can still participate, which is what I believe was missing in the marketplace. Because the reality is in my days as a real estate agent. My clients were happy with 10% return. 10% was like, oh my God, you knocked right. it out of the ball. Right. And here I get then introduced as a quant to stuff that could make a hundred percent return day one. Right. With an well, upside. Then they don't like the 10% if they see they can get a hundred. Of course. But right. then the challenge was anytime you told one of the big guys, hey, can you allow this little family office to come in with five million? No, like, why would we do that? It right. makes no sense. And I'm like, well, but you know, we can do more deals if we do this, right? Like, if your fund has five billion 
and you take 10% out of the 20 and allow small family offices to take the other 10, now we can do this all over again right. and do more. And they're like, yeah, Ed, we don't care, man. Right. We, we, we like it. We love what you're done. But the numbers are too small. The number, we, we want, we don't want those guys. Right. Like we know what we know. Let us do what we do. You right. so you basically found a hole in the market. Pretty much. I found a hole that needs fixing. Because right. if you ask a hundred family offices, if they will like the type of deal I just told you, the 100, after they understand that, will answer yes. Right. And they will tell you they have tried to get into a deal like this to find out later on that they couldn't because the larger fund said no. Got it. And they didn't think there was a way to get in, right? And they didn't so think they there was you. a way to get in until they came to us. And they either meet us through an investment bank, through a broker dealer, through a financial advisor. And that's the rest. That's the rest of the story, pretty much. Okay. Well, I I, I guess we'll have to leave it there. And you, you and I will stay in touch and talk about things. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. If people want to learn more about you and interact with you and learn about what you guys are doing, how, how it's the best way to, to find you. Yeah, they can go to our website, www.bpncapitalgroup.io. Capital groups, groups spelled out? Groups spelled out. Okay, Capital. we'll put a link in the show notes too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm very active in LinkedIn. So if anyone okay. messages me in LinkedIn, even though sometimes it can take a little bit, I'll answer. Uh, I okay. read every single LinkedIn so you're always on. message. I, yeah. So it's yeah, Edward so Rodriguez, I, BPN. They could search and they'll find you. If they search for Erod, E-R-O-D, okay. they'll, they'll find me. I, I'm a big Alice Rodriguez fan and I used to play <laughs> baseball. Okay. And I'm so Edward Rodriguez. Public, yeah, yeah. Uh, Edward baseball. Rodriguez. So the nickname of Erod caught up when, when Alex was killing it in the MLB God. because I had a very good batting average and, and I was trying to do everything like Alex. You know, I right. mean, I, I, I admire the guy and and the nickname stuck. Yeah, that's funny. I, well, we played golf in the Dominican Republic and we had our caddies and we were talking to them and he said, I said, you know, this is, you know, the off season. He says, well, we're in the off season. I said, oh, you play baseball? He says, man, everybody here plays baseball. Like that's, <laughs> that's true. There's nobody who doesn't yeah. play baseball. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's true. Everybody plays baseball. Right? Right. Even through my adult life, because in our eyes, baseball is God's sport. That's right. how we see it. Yeah, it's like a religion down there. Yeah, for, for us, it's nothing yeah. else. It's, it's God's right. sport. So right. uh, it's like still, soccer in South America. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, you got it. It's like soccer people. in South America. So so pretty much uh I sometimes even still play, yeah, play baseball on, on the on the weekends, Sundays or Saturday. Well, Ed, I know it took us a while to get together. Uh, and you know, thanks for coming on and spending time explaining all the stuff. I'm sure a lot of people, some people's heads are spinning. Some people are like, wow, I want to learn more. So hopefully there's people out there, especially if you're credit investors, you represent a family office, a large uh, wealthy family, they should look you up and see what's going on, right? Fantastic. Fantastic. They could also see all of the deals we currently have active. Uh, we post a lot on, on, on social media, like in LinkedIn mainly. They Good. could go and see the links in our website as well. And again, I mean, after we're not selling anything, we just want them to look at what we're doing. And after they see, they make their decision if they want to participate or not. It's, 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 it's totally up to them to see if they see potential on the kind of deals we're putting together. Now they have an option that a lot of right. them have always asked for a seat at the table 
Now you got it. Right. Are you going to okay. take advantage of it? Totally your choice. All right, Ed, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate coming on. Thank you, my friend. Highly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.